Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm so glad you're here today. If you're unfamiliar with Life Tree, our mission is really very simple. It's to help you grow from root to fruit. Uh, what that means is we want you to develop faith to help you develop a faith in what you believe about God in such a way that it affects who you are. From roots, which is your faith, all the way to fruit, which is you know, what you give with your life, what you do, what your impact is. And so that's, our, uh, that's our, our mission. And my goal today is that in the next you know, hour and a half, two hours that I speak, that you'll have um, just something that you can take away with you. One, no, you'll be one step closer to God when you walk out than when you walked in. That's it. It's very simple. Um, and, uh, and I have some fun along the way. Easter's fun. We can have fun, right? Egg hunts are fun, all that kind of stuff. Anybody? All right, I got a, I got a question for you. Cadbury eggs or marshmallow peeps? Okay, so Cadbury eggs, raise your hand. Marshmallow peeps, raise your hand. All right, peeps, all right, Cadbury eggs win. Chocolate always wins. Come on. Peeps are like, I just can't. I don't know. If you, hey, more for you. More for you, so God bless you. But yeah, give me the Cadbury eggs. And they got all sorts of stuff they fill them with. I mean, they're, they're good. Peeps, doesn't matter what color. Pink, blue, yellow, they all taste the same. They're terrible. It's awful. Anyway, we do some Easter egg hunts. That's always fun. We do an Easter egg hunt every year at my, uh, at my parents' house. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's interesting. If you don't know my dad, listen, my dad's great. He's brilliant. He's awesome. He's one of... He taught me everything I know about preaching, and he's my favorite preacher to listen to. And if you're here next week, you get to hear him. He's going to be preaching next week and uh, continuing our series. But he's also just got a few things that are a little um, odd. Um, and when it comes to hiding Easter eggs, that's one of those things. So we go to the house, and they hide Easter eggs for all the grandkids. And I don't know, there's like 40 or so. I don't know how many grandkids you got. You got about seven, eight, nine. Somewhere in that range. They all get like a different color. So like one kid, you're yellow, you're blue, you're green, you know, you're peach, which is always fun trying to distinguish, you know, what color is this? That's not your color. It's whatever. So they go in their backyard and they hide them. The thing is, my dad is, again, a little bit of a mad scientist. And so he likes to hide them in really hard places. And then nobody can find them. And then he can't remember where he put them. And so... (laughs) My son's like, I thought you said I had eight, and, and they only have seven, and he can't find it, and nobody can find it. And we probably have a picture somewhere of my dad wandering the backyard, trying to remember where he hid that one egg, because he's hidden so many, and it's just... Anybody ever find, like, an egg, you know, like, three months after Easter, somewhere around your yard, you know, it's just out there, because you just can't... Yeah, exactly. We lose things all the time. I don't know, some of you are more forgetful than others, but you lose things, some, you lose your car keys... Some of you, it's a daily thing. Like, where are my keys? Like, where, where I put them here? Or, you know, or reading glasses. Some of you are your readers. I know my, my wife's aunt, her solution was just to buy 20 pairs and leave them everywhere because she just doesn't have to worry about it. So she's got readers every, in every, you know, every car, every room in the house just because she can't. Um, umbrellas, you lose a lot of umbrellas. We just know that because we find a lot of umbrellas here. They're always left. Um, I recently lost a blue vest. It was like a winter vest. Like, I have no idea where it is. I've torn apart our house. I've tried. I, huh? Just can't. You just lose things and you can't find them. Um, and it's really hard to find things that you lose because you don't know where you lost them. 
That's the hard part. Uh, and it can be really frustrating. You know, you're racking your brain, trying to think through, where did I leave it? Where did I put that? You know, where, uh, you know, and you're, you're trying to do this, you retrace your steps, and you're just thinking, where did I put it? So you know how there are stages of grief, right? So I think there are stages of loss, okay? So the initial is a sense of wonder. Like, I'm sure I'm going to find them again, but just I wonder where I put them. Like for your keys. I wonder where I put my keys. I know, huh, I wonder. And then it goes to confusion. Wait, did I look there? I thought I looked there. Maybe I missed it. And you start to look again, right? And so you get confused now. And then you get to concern. What if I can't find them? What? Oh, no. Like, what's going to... Like, okay, so I can't find the keys. Then I got to go get new ones. And I got to change locks. And you begin... Okay, concern. And then you get to frustration and aggravation. And seriously, where are the stinking keys? Like, I just don't know where I put them. And you start getting frustrated. And then, and then inevitably, you come to blame. You moved my keys. Where did you put my keys? You must have put them somewhere because I know I've looked everywhere and they had to have been there. Am I lying? This is the progression, right? And then the best is when it ends with, oh, they're in my pocket. (laughs) They were here the whole time. You know, I think that's the best with like funny videos, you know, when the little kids are like looking for their sunglasses and they're on their head, you know, and they're looking all around. So they were going to talk about Jesus and the story after he was crucified and buried. And a woman named Mary Magdalene comes to, to find him. And she can't find him. She doesn't know where he is. Now, Mary, just to give you a little bit of information about Mary, she was a woman who had been healed by Jesus years before. All right, a few years before, she's been healed by Jesus. It said this, the, the scriptures tell us she had seven demons inside of her. This was a messed up woman. Like, she had problems. So imagine in that culture what a woman with seven demons, it's probably a rough life. Right? She's probably not invited to the group parties. Right? She's not doing right, the, the paint and wine things. Like Nobody's inviting her out. Okay? She's having a bad time. And she's healed by Jesus. And her life changes completely. She goes from being an outcast all alone, a woman who nobody wants to be around, and now she's free. She's clear-minded. She's whole. Right? She's loved. She's confident. Life has changed for her, and now she follows Jesus everywhere because you just changed my life. So she follows Jesus all over the place. Wherever he travels, Mary Magdalene is there. She's part of his entourage, right? And she finds herself one day now standing at the foot of his cross as the guy who has changed her life is being crucified. And she's standing next to, it says, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, she was in the inner circle. She's there And she is is grieving now in this moment. She's watching him being beaten and accused falsely and put to death for something he didn't do, just for nothing, just because they didn't like him. And it's the most traumatic and devastating moment of her life. This was a grieving woman, and she, I mean, just imagine just the pain. Try Try and just imagine if you can, Mary. And as she walks to the tomb... Right, So now he's, she's gone through this incredibly just painful experience. Now she's walking to this tomb to, to just kind of grief, you know, to, to express her grief in some way. And as she's going there, she's fully expecting his body to be there at least. And it's not. And let's just say she doesn't take it well. Okay? So let's read John chapter 20. We're going to pick up the story. Verse 1. Like I said, it'll be on the screen or you can read along if you'd like. It says, Early... On Sunday morning, while it's still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Um, I just need to pause here. 
this is being written by John. It's the book of John. It's being written by John. Um, and just so you know, he was a disciple of Jesus, and he likes to refer to himself in the third person. Anybody know people like this? Like they refer to themselves in the third person? Well, that's John. He is the other disciple. So he's the one whom Jesus loved. Okay, these are called humble brags. Remember these? Humble brags, okay? When you write the story, you get to put stuff like that in it. So there you go. And she says to him, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Verse 3, Peter and the other disciples start out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I'm not making it up. I mean, it's in there. This is the truth. All right. So he stoops and looks in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he doesn't go in. John doesn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and he goes in. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the wrappings. All right, so this very, de- very clearly describes the wrappings going on. It's folded up as if somebody had unwrapped this piece by piece and then folded it there. So you've got the head part and you've got the, the body part. So it's just neatly there, laid out. Like somebody actually unwrapped the body, which is unusual if you're going to steal a dead body. Why would you unwrap it? Just take it all. So then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood that the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Verse 10, then they went home. Then they went home. So to recap, Mary comes. She's a mess. She finds Jesus missing. She's more of a mess. Peter and John come and look around, have no idea what to think. They're like, oh, could this have... And they leave just wondering. Oh, he's not here. And now Mary is alone. So think of this woman, right? I mean, it's been a whirlwind. And now she's here and he's gone. And she can't find him. He's lost. She doesn't know where his body is. And now she's all alone. Can you feel like, just? I know it's hard, but try and feel that, that pain, the heartache. She just wants to grieve in peace and they can't even do that. Life couldn't be worse for Mary right now. So verse 11, it says this. So Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. She's a mess. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and one at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Wow. Angels. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. I mean, come on. Angels asking Mary. Surely this is going to help Mary feel better. Angels just showed up, right? Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. I don't even know where his body is. She acts like this is no big deal. I mean, these are angels. Nothing. I mean, was her pain so great that she didn't even notice angels? Have you ever been hurt so bad that even something that should make you feel good seems meaningless? You're hurt so bad, and then maybe like one of your kids comes up to you, or something comes up to you, and you just don't even care because you're just so in pain, you can't even see something that's good in front of you. All she can process is Jesus is gone, and I don't know where he is. And rather than engaging the angels, you know what she does? She just walks away. Just walks away. 14, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus. But she doesn't recognize him. Again, pain. Same question, verse 15. Dear woman, why are you crying? 
Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? I want to point out that these are the first words Jesus said after defeating death and the grave and coming back to life. The very first words that are recorded that Jesus said after coming back to life is, why are you crying and who are you looking for? Now, if it were me, my first words might be something like, I don't know, how you like me now? (laughs) Right? Like, I'm back, right? Like, there's all sorts of things I could have thought of to say in that moment that would have been like, check me out, I'm here. Like, it's me. And instead, the first words he speaks after this incredible triumph are words of compassion and care because that's who he is. Dear woman, why are you crying, he asked. Who are you looking for? Surely now she's going to recognize Jesus because, and everything is going to be better. Here we go. Ready? She thought he was the gardener. We got that up there? Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. She actually accuses Jesus of taking his own body. She has no, she is so confused. I mean, we can see how ridiculous this is, but in the moment, she's in such pain that she can't even see Jesus standing in front of her. So Jesus says the one thing that will get her attention, because there's only one thing that's going to shake her out of her despondency, out of her misery, and he just simply says this, Mary. Mary, says Jesus. I imagine that her name echoed and reverberated in her head like the sound of thunder. You can imagine James Earl Jones, right? The voice, Mary, right? You hear it, right? You hear it, Mary. And it was like she was hearing for the very first time. It says, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which means teacher. She had already turned her back on Jesus. She had paid no attention to him. He was just a gardener, just some other guy, but no gardener would know her name. And when she heard her name, she twirls around, and for the very first time, she sees Jesus. It's hard to imagine the flood of emotions that Mary has experienced in these last 24 to 48 hours. From the lowest point in her life to perhaps the most exhilarating moment of her life when she realizes, you're alive? How? How? But when? I, I saw you die. How are you here right now? And she runs to him and holds him tighter than she ever has before. And Jesus says what I would have said to her. Don't cling to me, (laughs) says Jesus. For I have yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Now listen, he wasn't saying don't touch me. What he's just saying is, I'm not leaving yet. It's okay. I'm not going anywhere yet. He let her hug for a little bit. But he's like, I'm going to go. I'm not, I'm not leaving yet. But we're still, we've got work to do. Verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them the message. So what? It's a crazy story about Easter morning. What does Mary's experience with a risen Jesus have to do with us? A couple of thoughts. First, pain obscures our ability to see clearly. When she came to the tomb, let me ask you, was everything okay? 
in reality. Not what Mary perceived, but was Jesus okay? Was Baron okay? He's alive. Did Mary know that? No. No. See, that's the thing. What we see isn't always what is. See, we think we understand, but in our pain, you just can't see what is. We jump to conclusions, right? We make assumptions about stuff. We say, oh no, we, we tell ourselves a story, a narrative, right? We've got this picture of what's going on. And in our pain, we interpret life. The situation she's walking into, listen, we go see that empty tomb. We're like, yeah, yeah, isn't it cool? He's not here anymore. Mary is despondent because pain obscures our vision. So I'd just like to say today, if you're hurting today, if you're here today, and I don't know all of your stories, but odds are that there's some of you today that there's pain in your life. Most of you. And odds are that it's obscuring your ability to see clearly. And that includes your ability to see God. But here is the absolute best thing you will hear today. You ready? Here's the best thing. If you're going to write one thing down today, I want you to write just this one thing down. See, God sees you even when you can't see him. That's it. That's the best thing I can tell you today. It's like, you ever play hide-and-go-seek? My kids play it all the time. I can tell because the closet's emptied out into the hallway. But hide-and-go-seek, you go hide, and the person seeking goes and finds it. See, here's the best part about how God plays that game. Right? You think he's hiding, you go looking, and he finds you. So that's what happens. God comes and finds you. See, no matter where you are today, see, and I don't know where you are again, maybe you call yourself an agnostic, you know. Um, I just don't know if there is a God. I'm just sort of like, I don't make decisions about those things. It's beyond my pay grade, and I don't talk about it. Maybe you're just going through life, and you've never really considered God. It's just something wasn't part of your family growing up, just something you haven't talked about. Maybe you've been searching for God. You've never been able to find anything. You've looked in a lot of places. You've tried a lot of different stuff, and you just don't. You know, you haven't found God anywhere. Maybe you've laughed at the idea of God. I don't know. But regardless of your ability to see God, He can see you. That alone wouldn't be much help to us. <laughs> but there's one more piece to this story. And it's this. And this, the theme of our, of our series is called The Heart of the Father. We're starting a new series today. So you're here on a great day. If you want to learn more, we're going to talk about this for the next few weeks. It's about the heart of God and really knowing what God is about. And here's the heart of the Father that we can pull out of this story. The heart of the Father is to be found by you. See, it's not just that he can see you when you can't see him, but his heart is to be found by you. He is lousy at hide-and-seek. He wants to be found. Mary had lost it. She broke down. She's sobbing. She's barely responded to two angels. She mistook Jesus for a gardener. She accuses him of moving the body. She tries to take matters into her own hands. Think about it. Just tell me where the body is. What are you going to do with it, Mary? You're going to put it on your shoulder and walk it back? It's a corpse. What are you going to do with Jesus? Like, she's so overwhelmed, she's not thinking straight. She's just frantic. You've been there. You're overwhelmed, you're panicked, and you just say things. Just get out of my way. Just let me take control. But we don't even think about what's going to happen there. And here's what Jesus doesn't do in that moment when he sees her. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't chastise her. He doesn't shame her. He doesn't say, come on, you know better. Could you not see me? He doesn't do anything like that. And he doesn't stay hidden. He doesn't say, fine, you're going to be that way? 
Keep looking. Instead, he has compassion. And he loves her despite her confusion. He loved her beyond her accusations because he knew what she was going through. And he asked her two questions. Now, here's the thing. Whenever God asks a question, it's never because he doesn't know. It's always for the benefit of the one who's got to answer because he wants them to know something and, and, and identify something. He already knows the answer to these. So first, why are you crying? Think about that question. Why are you crying? Let me ask you, what is the cause of your deepest pain today? Why do you hurt? Put your finger on it. Name it. Identify it. What is the single greatest source or cause of pain in your life? Expose it. God wants you to put your finger on and say, this is why I'm crying. This is what makes me just hurt. Because everybody in here, you got something. I got something. Every one of us has. There's a reason we hurt. The second question is then, who are you looking for? Essentially, who are you looking for to fix it? God wants you to think about who you are hoping can fix it. You trying to do it yourself? This is my pain, and who are you looking to fix it? Well, I got it. Or are you looking to somebody else? You know, I'm, I'm hoping in somebody else that they can fix it. When we're in pain, we don't see clearly, and we don't care who we find. We will look for anybody as long as you fix my pain. I got some, like, you got some neck issues or whatever, you know, you'll find anybody. I'll go to a doctor, I'll go to, a, I'll, take, I'll get a massage, I will try acupuncture, we'll try whatever it takes because I just want the pain gone. I don't care who does it. I want you to fix it. When you've got pain, you will look at whoever you can to fix it. Here's the thing, our pain can sometimes obscure the very one we need. She's standing in front of the one who can fix her pain and she can't even see him. She thinks he's just some gardener. Get out of my way. And here's the thing. When you're in pain, God has one word for you. You know what that one word is? It's interesting Pastor Dre said it because we didn't really talk about this. He says your name. He says Mary, Joe, Chris, Elise, Shannon, Dave, Rachel. He's saying your name. Because he knows you. And he loves you. And he knows the pain you carry. And he wants to comfort you. See, here's my prayer today. That everyone in here will accept this single truth. And I know some of you are going to like, you might shake it off and that's okay. But here's the one truth that I think we all need to accept today. Jesus is who we are all looking for. We've all got pain, and we're all looking for somebody to fix it. Maybe you're looking, I don't know, for governor or president or maybe a politician or something else. But Jesus is who we're all looking for. He isn't the cause of our pain. He's the healer of it. And actually, he's the only one who can fix our deepest pain. His word says he will wipe away every tear from our eye. He is here and he knows your name. You might mistake him for a gardener or just some random person, but let me tell you, he knows everything about you. He knows what 
is going on inside you. He knows your story. He knows why you're here today. He knows how you got here. He knows what's coming. See, the Father knows the name of all his kids. And he knows where you are even when you don't know where he is. And he wants to be found by us so much that he will come to us. So, why are you crying? What keeps you from peace? Maybe, maybe nobody else, maybe even the people closest to you have no idea what's going on in your life. But what keeps you from peace right now? What's the one thing you wish you could fix? What's the one thing that if it would change, it would change everything? If you could just fix this one thing, everything would be better. What's that one thing? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a regret. Maybe it's depression, a financial need, a difficult situation, a diagnosis, a loss, a fear. What just hurts every day and you deal with it, but you just wish it could be fixed. You've got no answers for it. Because if you had an answer for it, you'd have fixed it already. See, the presence of pain in our lives just exposes our need for somebody to fix it. And we'll look for anybody to fix it. The reality is, who are you looking for? Who are you hoping can fix your pain? Maybe you're hoping for political leaders. Maybe business leaders. Maybe you're looking for educators to change the world. Or maybe you're looking for a parent or an advocate to, to fix you. Or maybe a, an engineer. Or hopefully you're not looking for celebrities. Maybe you're looking for scientists to solve problems, or doctors, or counselors, or authors, or artists, and the list goes on and on and on. People we hope for that can fix our pain. But nobody can. We can get so caught up in looking for what we want that we miss what we need to see. Even when he's right in front of us. So this morning, is it time to look for Jesus? He's here right now. He sees you. He understands all the reasons. He even understands why you've blamed him for things. He understands why you've accused him of things. Why you've been so confused that you couldn't even see him. He gets it. And you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't point the finger back and goes, I'm going to get you for that. I'm, I'm going to get even with you. Listen, Mary was no different than us. Where'd you put his body? What'd you do with him? It's, it's me. I'm right here. And he's saying your name. So today, perhaps, we can invite God to open our eyes to see him. Very simply, to see him. The choir is going to come on up in just a moment, and they're going to uh, end our service with a song, and they're going to prepare. And as they do, maybe today you could simply say, Jesus, I have no idea where you are, I can't see you, but I want to. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's you today. Again, I'm going to read that again. But perhaps today you just need to say, Jesus, I don't know where you are. I can't see you, but I want to. That's it. It's not complicated. It's not fancy. You don't have to do a bunch of stuff. Listen, remember, Jesus wants to be found. Honestly, he probably wants to be found more than you even want to find him. So just say, Jesus, please help me find you. Every, this year at Life Tree, we've called it a year of uh, multiplication. I feel like God's going to do just multiply things in us and 
exponentially. And so one of the things we've done is we want God to multiply our faith and to grow our faith. We've got these things called X factors. So every month we've got a different X factor. And this month, uh, it's a new month. It's April 1st. April Fool's. No fooling. Right? And uh, so this month, we're going to give you all palms. Because we've got so many left over. <laughs> From last week, for those who don't know, we ordered um, slightly too many um, palms for Palm Sunday. No, we're not going to do that. Um, so this month in April, we're going to encourage you to read a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs in the book of Proverbs. And we should have picked a month with 31 days, but we picked a month with 30 days. Yeah, that's us. Um, so on the 30th day, you can read Proverbs 30 and 31, because Proverbs 31 is all about a you know, woman of godly character, so you won't want to miss that. Um, but what it's going to help you do is focus your eyes every day to see God. Very simple. And so what we have for everybody today is on your way out, we've got a, a book here. It's a, it's a book of Proverbs. So you can read one a day. So we've got one per family. On your way out today, you can take one of these books with you, and uh, we'd love to, to give you that today. And it just so happens that when you read that stuff, it may speak to you. Because Proverbs chapter 1, and today's day 1, so we're going to read Proverbs chapter 1. In this translation, the message translation says this. It says, first, pay attention to me, and then relax. Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. Come on. It just so happens that that's the proverb for today that we're preaching and that we're sharing. Mary thought the world was falling apart. But God knew if he could just get her attention, she could find some peace. I don't know if you have peace today. My prayer is that I want to give it to you. And it's not anything I can do. It's just say, hey, God wants to give it to you. Go look for him. He wants the same for us. So let's think about how the story ended, right? Mary runs back to tell all the guys. I think it's awesome that Jesus shows up to a woman first. It's pretty cool. He says, all right, go tell the boys. And she says, I have seen the Lord. She couldn't find him and he was right in front of her, but that's not the story she tells. She goes back and says, now the story is I have seen him. This can be the day you finally find what you've always been looking for. I'm going to end with this quote from a, a guy I quote too much, but his name is Mark Batterson. And I, he's a really smart guy another pastor in Washington, D.C., and he says this, you are one decision away from a completely different life. Just think about that. You are one decision away from a completely different life. And perhaps today that decision is to start looking for God. Maybe you've been looking at other people or looking at yourself or looking at other things to try and fix the pain inside you. And I'm telling you, the only thing that can fix our pain is Jesus. He is the one we are all looking for. And here's the thing. I can promise you that if you will look for him, you will find him. And not because you're a great looker, although you're all great looking, but it's because he wants to be found more than you want to find him. So he's going to come to you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.